Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey friends, before we get started, we just wanted to tell you two quick things. Yes, the first thing is really good news, I think. We have some good news. <laughs> Surprisingly, we have good news. Um, the good news is that if you are close to the New York area, we are going to be doing a very special Buffering the Vampire Slayer live event at Union Hall in Brooklyn on December 18th. We're going to be playing through all 12 songs from the uh, first 12 episodes that we have written so tirelessly, and we're going to be showing <laughs> clips, we're going to be doing trivia, we're going to have some of our very dear friends come by and help us perform. It's going to be so sweet and so fun and so festive and so necessary right now. Mm-hmm. Jenny, tell them how they can find out more. You can find out more by visiting unionhallny.com. That's spelled how you think. <laughs> Uh, and um, our show's on December 18th, so you can check out their calendar. Yes. Look at that date. And it starts at 8 p.m. It's going to be really great. It's going to be really great. We also wanted to just acknowledge something before going into this episode, which is um, that we had pre-recorded, this is episode nine, right? Mm-hmm. We had pre-recorded episode nine um, also before the election last week. And so as I'm sure a lot of you are feeling, we are... Um, we are a little bit different in our tone. <laughs> We've changed. <laughs> we, we have changed, um, but but we were really thankful that we had recorded this before because um, we've heard from a lot of you after episode eight that this is, you know, buoying your spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's really nice that we were lost in a land of simple appreciations here. And I think, and you know, and I think too, and I do want to say this that I, um, I'm very tied to getting back there for episode 10 as well. So yeah, um, we got a little respite by having this beforehand. Yes. So enjoy uh, a window back in time to pre-election results, Jenny and Kristen, <laughs> talking about season one, episode nine. Welcome to yet another episode of Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we talk about each and every Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode one at a time in chronological order, because that's the way God intended. (laughs) I'm Jenny Owen-Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo, and this week we're talking about season one, episode nine, The Puppet Show. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Uh, Stay tuned at the end of this episode and every episode for an all-new, all-original song that we'll be writing to recap what happens in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Who who wrote? Where are we in in the grand scheme of things here? Who wrote this? Who directed it? What day was it? Let me help you get your bearings. Yeah. This episode was written by Rob Des Hotel, or perhaps Rob Day Hotel. His middle thing is D-E-S. And Dean Batali. And it was directed by Ellen S. Pressman. Lady behind the camera. And it first aired on May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, 1997. (laughs) Um, Also, for those of you who want to be reminded what this episode is about, it is called The Puppet Show. So you probably have an idea if you've already seen it. (laughs) Uh, But IMDb tells us in their succinct description Buffy suspects that a ventriloquist dummy may be harvesting organs from classmates performing in a talent show. If I have to see this trope one more time in American <laughs> TV and cinema. Over and over oh, and always over with the, again. the living dummies and the harvesting, harvest, harvesting of organs. I know. It's the one one two punch. Give us a break. <laughs> um so Okay. Let's talk about this. Yeah. So I read that this was the lowest rated episode <laughs> of Buffy the Vampire Slayer 
in its history. Mm-hmm. I haven't fact, I haven't like double fact checked that, but that is what I what I hear. If one place on the internet says it, it's probably it's true. It's probably true, right? That's how the world works mm. these days. Also, this is another episode with no vampires. No vampires. And this is the fourth episode out of nine with no vampires. Wow. So they better get on track here. Yeah. We need some fangs. We need some blood sucking. Preferably, yeah. With Garlic, the, like communion mm. wafers. Where yes, are where are all I the miss good, the communion wafers. The good old days. The steaks. Come on, guys. But um, <laughs> but some important things happen in this episode. Namely, within the first few seconds. Oh boy. This may be the lowest rated of the uh, of the episodes, but it may contain my favorite scene of all the episodes, <laughs> which is when we go into the theater. And Cordelia is, it's funny because they set it up like they're auditioning, but they're really not. They're just like practicing, I guess. Yeah, this like is a anyone, weird talent show setup. Anyone can do this talent show. And Cordelia is singing, at least a hammer. What does it go? Mm-hmm. I See, decided. I decided long ago never to walk in anyone's shadow. And the reason Very I Cordelia. the reason that I that I got confused on the lyrics, and I didn't tell you this, Jenny, although I may have told you it in our history. Um, this song, this Whitney Houston song, came out. I'm gonna say like you can look it up while I while I tell this mini story. But I think that this this Whitney Houston song came out in like maybe '84 or something like that, '85, um, some somewhere in there. And I say that because I remember the video. It was Whitney Houston, and she was like standing on a stage. She was like lit by like one dramatic spotlight, and she was singing this song. And I thought that the lyrics were. Um, you know, if I fail, if I succeed, da, 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 da. and then when she got to, but you can't, the, the biggest line in the song, but you can't take away my dignity. I thought she was saying, but you can't take away my cup of tea. Like what? <laughs> I don't know. I was small. How small was I? What year did it come out? Well, I'll tell you, Kristen. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's difficult. Sorry. There are multiple versions. It came out. March 18th, 1986. 86. Okay, so I was six. I was six, and I was I loved the song. and But I don't know. <laughs> what I didn't know what dignity was. I was six years old, so I uh-huh, thought she uh-huh. was – I thought somebody was trying to take away her cup of tea. I know that's dramatic. Yeah, you don't want you anybody don't, to take away your cup of tea. You don't want to lose that. Anyway, um, not to divert <laughs> us too far from the, the main focus of this episode, which is Cordelia's opening number. Uh-huh. I mean, I know this is really early on, Jenny, but I love Cordelia. I love her so much. How much do you love her? Should we do something about it? I think it? we I like we can't get past the even the credits All this right. time. Let's get right to it then. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad I got that out of my system. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that miniature song you just heard is, of course, Cordelia, our Cordelia Appreciation Anthem. And if you happen to occupy the center of the Venn diagram that shows the overlap between iPhone users and people who love that Cordelia song, you can download it as a ringtone from your iPhone. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so we see Cordelia sing. She is so great. God, she's, she's doing so great. Such a great job. But you know, if she's outperformed by anyone in this scene, it's Giles, it right? It is Giles. So much fantastic, subtle oh. face acting from Giles in this episode, and so much exasperation. I feel like and resignation. Like I feel like if you were a high school teacher watching this series, you just like wanted <laughs> to jump in the screen and hug. Giles. Like his facial expressions of total, just like what am I? How did I get here? How did yes. I get here? How did I wind up here? And who are these monsters? Yes. <laughs> he really nails it. And, th- and then we meet, for the first time ever, Principal Snyder. Very exciting. Oh, boy. Oh, man. So great. What an entrance. And before we go on, we just want to tell you guys something so exciting. Yeah. We were able to speak with Armin Shimmerman, who portrays Principal Snyder. At some length, and we're going to be sharing our entire conversation with him in a bonus episode later this week. Yes! 
On Saturday, we're going to put up a second episode of the week, which is so exciting. What? We we were so, so excited. I, I want you to all be excited because Armin is an incredible human being. And um, yeah. What a piece. So many stories. We've oh, my gosh. So, it's just endless, wonderful, wonderful stories from Armin. And he's so kind. Yes. Okay. So watch your feeds for that later this week. But anyway. Okay. So Principal Snyder. We're getting a first look. We're getting a first look and, and a very clear first look. I mean, yes. he tells us himself how he differs from Principal Flutie within like his first few <laughs> seconds. He is like, I am not taking shit. I'm not taking anything. I don't like kids. This place is going to be ship shape. He's like the uh-huh. army general coming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's calling, he's saying Flutie was uh, all touchy-feely. And then he says, Sunnydale <laughs> has touched and felt for the last time. Wow. So wow. good. He also so casually is like, and that's what got him eaten. Yeah. Like, <laughs> very laissez-faire about the yeah, last principal I mean, I getting guess devoured. We are on the Hellmouth, so everybody's used to it, I guess. Even Principal Snyder. wonder where Principal Snyder came from. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we meet Principal Snyder. And then we, Willow has a moment before we get to the credits here that I scratched my head about when she, they see the dummy, right? So that's that's important. We see the dummy. Right, right, right. We see that... The dummy is part of the show, um, and that that this that this kid has done a horrible voice, but then all of a sudden does this incredible voice, um, right? And and Buffy, we learned Buffy doesn't like dummies. Yes, however, very Willow, relatable, very relatable. Willow, I think dummies are cute. Ew, Willow, what are you? Shut talking? up, Willow. Don't ew. It's not even truthful. I don't think Willow thinks dummies are cute. I think she just got confused and I don't. There must be some mistake. Dummies aren't cute. They're terrifying. No, yeah, they're super creepy. They're little unhinged little jaws. All right, anyway. But how great to also to see uh, Giles who has just been like looking so exhausted and so (laughs) bummed out and he's being mocked by uh, his three teenage pals. And then those teenage pals get roped into the talent show by Principal Snyder. And then Giles is so pleased. Yeah, he really is very excited. <laughs> very really excited good. to have them on board. And then dancer Emily um, gets attacked in the locker room. Cut to credits. Emily. Bye, Emily. It was a good opening uh, opening shot on another, Emily. Another great spooky locker room scene. Like, yeah. Why are locker rooms so good at being spooky? I don't know. This episode, I have, like, I took some notes, too, in, in scenes that are coming up about the fact that we just talked about this in the last episode, that I think, you know, I'll see how I feel when we get into, like, seasons two and three, but I feel like season one of this show is really horror movie. Like, it's really pulling on a lot of the, like, oh, this yeah. episode does the same thing, you know, with the creepy locker room shots and the, the scene where she's walking over to the locker that she like knocks the lock in and, and opens the the dummy case to reveal no dummy. That is totally done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I I I did make a note that in this episode, I think we see Buffy walking in dark rooms of the of the high school to creepy music for a very long time. Like if we started and measured this, she's probably it's probably like three to four solid minutes of Buffy just walking in silence with creepy music. Yeah, yeah. In dark. A lot of dimly lit. Yeah. Spooky areas of the, of the high school we haven't seen yet. The auditorium, <laughs> backstage. Right. Yeah, Ugh. that's true. That's mm-hmm. true. We do see a lot more of the high school than we've seen to date. And I saw like that um, there's like a bird's eye view of the stage floor towards the end, which really made me like reminisce about being <laughs> in high school. It was like the, that is exactly the way the high school theater stage looked at my right. high school. All beaten up and like walked over and 18 different tape marks all over it. And, uh-huh, you uh-huh. know? I don't know. Did you have talent shows at your high school? Um, I think so. Probably. I I think I was in one uh one year. I Doing think. like singing, like playing an original song by Jenny Owen Youngs. A Jenny Owen Youngs so. original. I think so. Well, the the really big thing every year was we had a lip sync contest. Uh huh. Oh. Um, which I also got roped into one year. What did you lip sync? Oh boy. Well, usually people would do. Something, I don't know, like if any of you at home listening have seen Kristen's lip sync work. Oh, yeah. If you're not familiar, uh, Everyone is Gay's YouTube channel has just an arsenal of of lip syncing. I'm a pro. And that's very, like, dramatic and fun. And there's, like, props and stuff. But because of the the kind of high schooler that I was and the people that I hung out with, just the people I was in a real band with, Uh we all dressed up like the Smashing Pumpkins and played our, like, band instruments. Aww. And that's it. That's so fun. Also, inexplicably, Were I you had, Darcy? 
I was Darcy, and I had these silver pleather pants from Hot Topic nice. that I wore. And Man, I Hot Topic, sure getting a lot of mentions yes, for free, right? We'll take a Hot Topic sponsorship <laughs> any day now. <laughs> I don't remember what shirt I was wearing, but I do remember that I had this silver lipstick. And for some yes. reason, I don't know what possessed me, but I was like, I did my lips, and then I was like, fuck it. And then I did my whole face what? in silver <laughs> lipstick. I don't know why. I don't remember ever seeing Why Darcy with like, like a unhinged? silver pink. Yeah, yeah, I was just like, <laughs> what like I got quiet to moment of a of a person putting on lipstick when it just starts to go like outside of their <laughs> yeah. their mouth all over go the face. Go big or go home. Go <laughs> face or go don't. Uh, I'm gonna imagine that if you had pictures of this, I would have already seen them. But yeah, I don't. I don't. What have a pictures. loss! What a loss to the world! Wow. Uh, so wait, sorry, did you guys have uh, talent? I don't think so. I mean, I was in theater in high school, so, you know, they had like a fall play and then they had this, the big spring musical and right, then they right, did right. like this little secondary music, like a smaller little sort of on book musical oh. uh, at the end of the year. Oh. Yeah, it was really, I, we did, we did like a fall play and a spring musical too, but I was never in it. But you didn't do that? Yeah, I spent, I mean, I spent the better part of my high school career in the theater, uh. in the high school theater. That's, that was my whole life. I yeah. just, uh, just like uh, the audition process as a yeah. concept just can't I just can't that was the worst it. part I mean that is the worst part of the process well at least that was the worst part for me I, I you don't like you know putting yourself out there to be like scrutinized and chosen or not chosen oh, thank you very difficult but it's fine everyone I I played um Mary Warren in the crucible <laughs> uh I was in let's see Camelot Pippin Ooh. and once upon a mattress where I almost I think that I was I think that I was close or at least in the running to get the role of the princess uh, in Once Upon a Mattress because she's one of the only leads in a musical that doesn't have to be able to really sing very well. She's like a brassy alto, kind of like a character part in the musical, but she's the the lead. So I, I can't you know, I can't sing very well. But I thought I, I thought I almost had it and then I didn't get it. Did Margot Martindale swoop in and Martin steal Martindale the role? swooped in and got the part. What's funny is that well, actually, maybe I shouldn't talk about that on the podcast. Never mind. <laughs> a story for another day when we're good friends. Yes, uh, quite. But yeah, so I spent a lot of time in the theater uh, in my high school, and I felt like this was a good representation. But we did not have a talent show. Did not. Huh. Um, so, okay, we get past the credits, and we jump right into the character of Sid. Because the, the first thing I have written down is they're in the theater – and Sid, this is like the scene where um, Sid is sitting with what's his name? What? I Morgan. Wanting to call him Malcolm. Um, oh, that's from last. That's episode. from last episode. Morgan is sitting with Sid, and Sid looks over at the group, the Scoobies, and says, "Mmm, look at the goodies." <laughs> and yeah, and this is really just with us throughout Sid is it is a bummer it's such a bummer and I mean it's like you know 1930 like he's like a 1930s dude so I think they were pulling on like you know the way the way dudes talked about ladies in the 1930s or today or today just using different words but um but yeah just there's something it's like a female objectification is rough already but when it's done by a wooden dummy yeah that is just (laughs) extra 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 special creepy um yeah. Um, oh, and then we then we find out that uh, dancer Emily has been beharded. Right. Just before, just before the scream, which is a great great scream. scream. I wish I knew whose scream that was. Yeah, it was a beautiful scream. Beautiful horror scream. Mm. Mm-hmm. A plus. Uh, we have Giles talking to Principal Snyder, and <laughs> this Principal is actually Snyder. where he says he doesn't like kids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 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 He's talking about how he doesn't like kids, and they're not people and principal flutie thought kids were people and that's the kind of woolly-headed liberal thinking that gets you eaten <laughs> like i feel like we 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 meet principal snyder and everybody's talking about him like he's been the principal for a minute already and he's like i've been like watching you three and like mm-hmm. you know i've been observing this and it's uh, there's a new sheriff in town whatever so like they all the characters already know him, but we're meeting him for the first time. But he does such they like did such an amazing job introducing this character and like making it very crystal clear, but also like like obviously it's like a ridiculous overstate, you know, like it, right. it's just blown out of proportion, but it's so great. All of his lines are so great. Yeah. And he's just Woolly got like headed. this amazing air of just like Rrr. Yeah. <laughs> so great. Oh uh, yeah, he's a great character. 
uh, great actor and great character combined. Ja. Combined. Um, so anyway. So Emily Emily loses her heart. Dead in the log room and she's been dehearted. Dehearted. Again, Sunnydale High School strikes again here with... <laughs> Like, you guys. One they, strand of caution tape. One strand of caution tape where the, the students are, like, directly up against it. Yeah. The, the, They're bagging the weapon. They're bagging the weapon, like, Just out in the hallway. Out in the hallway. Like, the zip the Ziploc is not even sealed. No, no, no. There's a bloody knife. And they're all, and, like, I mean, uh, to give credit to the Sunnydale High School students, they are very calm about this because it's... it's it seems to be a regular enough yeah. occurrence that water off people, the duck's back people dropping left and right over at sunnydale high school um and because there's a weapon involved the slayerettes are thinking this is a person this is a person not a demon willow says oh my god it could be anyone it could be me it could be me jenny and i guffawed twice in a row at that line when we watched it once and twice it's so funny but i really liked i liked this moment i thought this was a very interesting moment it was small and fleeting but what i pulled from it like because because they're like oh this would be like it's simple if it's a demon right because demons are like pure evil right um and so we know like demons are here they're gonna need their heart they're gonna harvest it and onwards they go for like uh, our understanding of that evil is clear um but if this is a human if a human did this they sort of set it up like well that's more complex then then we're walking in like really fucked up territory yeah because for a human being to kill another human being is much more, I think, in their view and mine, uh, much more of an atrocity than a demon. Absolutely. Right? So that's, I thought that was interesting. For sure. Oh, oh, oh dear. All I, my next note, <laughs> my next note is just, ha, 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 Cordelia. What did she do? I don't even remember. Uh, I believe all the Slayerettes <laughs> are on their individual detective runs, ah. and Cordelia is going on and on and on about what a tragedy Emily's death is for her. Right. Well, she actually says, Emma, Emma, Emma and I were best friends. <laughs> right, 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 right. And then I, and then I noticed, um, because Buffy is wearing this dress in this piece that mm. is, it's like a leopard dress. Go on. But I'm pretty sure it's a shirt. And and that's not me judging, you know, wear what you would like to wear, people. It's just a simple matter of clothing. It's just classification. Clothing matter. What is that here? garment? Right. When when do we call it a dress and when do we call it a shirt? Mm-hmm. Where is the line? Buffy's right on it with this. <laughs> I've I've tried to like watch to see if she was able to like sit down or do anything, but they cut every like that as she would go up. to sit. Yeah, as she would go to sit, they would like cut to the other next scene. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, but but to go back to Principal Snyder for just a second, because um, Giles then is talking about this. They're in the library now, and Giles is talking to them about Principal Snyder because I think this is the part when Buffy is like, you know, are you serious that we're going to be concerned about this talent show? Like, this is ridiculous. We have we have stuff to take care of, Giles. You know better mm-hmm. than to prioritize school things. Right, right, right. Um, but Giles has this moment where he's like, no, like – Principal Snyder is watching us, and if we're not careful, we're going to have obstacles to get around that are going to make it even more difficult for us to deal with the demons and the vampires on the Hellmouth. Right. Which is like investing a pretty good amount of power in Principal Snyder because nobody was worried about Principal Flutie. Right. He was like a little bit of a, he was like just a, a bump. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He wasn't a wall. Right. And they, and I think too, I mean, for me watching this, you know, again, first viewing um, of this episode in my life. So I think they're setting up, they really set you up to think Principal Snyder is harvesting hearts. I mean, yeah, you really think that, you know, he's like always lurking behind a corner. There's this incredible, there's a couple of, there's two incredible lighting moments for Principal Snyder in this. There's one when he's, are they both backstage? They're both backstage. One oh, is yeah. he's coming down the staircase. Yeah, and he's lit from below. Yes, and it's like this triangulation of light on his face that's super spooky. And then the <laughs> other one is where he's lit from behind and his whole head is silhouette, except for his two ears are just lit are through, like so that they're yeah. like r- bright red glowing ears. So yes. nice. So nice. So you really think, I mean, I thought, I definitely thought like principal, well, I kind of thought Principal Snyder had something to do with it. Right. Um, yeah, we're definitely meant to think that. Right. I mean, I have some some future knowledge. Like, had I not seen the series, the whole series, then I would have thought, then I would have been like, oh, it's definitely P- Principal Snyder. Right, 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 right. 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 Um, yeah. 
Also, sorry. I, I know this is a big Principal Snyder episode, though, but he has this line that uh, where he's like, you know, I'm not going to tolerate this and I'm not going to tolerate that. And he, and he ends with like, I'm not going to tolerate hearts being removed and I'm not going to tolerate smoking. <laughs> he's a guy who knows what he's about. Right, right. I can appreciate guy, that. And, it, and also, it, you know, it's like the per- this is the perfect Sunnydale High School situation where like the principals, the students, they all have to kind of weigh demons and and you know horrible things against everyday struggles like smoking cigarettes right, you know right, right. buffy has to study for her exam and slay vampires principal snyder has to watch people's hearts and also keep them from smoking <laughs> um which i guess is, is really watching a heart in multiple ways right He's concerned about the well-being the health of the students <laughs> um yes so next we're in buffy's room and oh, yeah. there's Joyce after uh, a minute yeah. away. Good to see you, Joyce. Great to see Joyce. She's have... dreaming about bills. Yeah, oh, just as Joyce would. Just such a such a modern woman, paying her bills, Seriously. raising her kid, working her job. Has, has anything ever been worse than when uh, Joyce closes the door and Buffy is getting into bed and it pans over to the window and no. the, the dummy's face no. when the light goes out is just no. there in the window? No. Yeah, it was real bad. So bad. I screamed. The first time I screamed <laughs> gutturally, and the second time knowing that it was coming, I still screamed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's horrific. Terrible. And if anything beats the horrific value of that reveal where the lights go out and that goddamn dummy head is in the window, Ugh. it's the pitter-patter Ugh. of his tiny little wooden feet. Terrible. Oh. Just terrible. I hate it. Oh, it's so good, though. Like yeah, it, yeah. it is really an effective... Yeah. Creep factor. It's just awful. Oh, yeah. So creepy. So, yeah. So then commercial break. Actually, the, the commercial break happens and then we get the tapping feet. And I right. I love this because something happens in this episode um, where, like, Buffy is afraid of dummies. Like, she has a fear of them. Um, and so she does things that I think are, like, kind of out of character for mm-hmm. her. A lot in this episode because, you know, she wakes up with, like, a dummy in her bed, which, like, I will give it to you, Buffy. That's creepy. But also we've seen you behead demons and wrestle with vampires. And, you know, you deal with all sorts of mucky stuff. Mucky. Um, And yet she is terrified. She screams for Joyce. And she, like, it's not even like she screams for Joyce, realizes her error, and is like, oh, nothing, Mom. She's like, something is in my bed. Yeah. Which... Unbuffy. A very unbuffy. But there's there's something about this. It's like they're not um Xander, we're about to get to this scene with Xander not taking her serious. But they're, you know, Xander's not taking her seriously. Giles is not taking her seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's really afraid and acting in ways that yeah, are very unslayer like. Yeah, out of character. Yeah. Which is cool cuz you know, we've seen her as like a character who doesn't really get afraid. Yeah, and if you're going to get afraid of just one thing, yeah. it should probably be a living wooden dummy. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. yeah, yeah. Jenny's freaked out, and Jenny's really not afraid of... No, Jenny's afraid of a lot of things. Hey, now. <laughs> I'm definitely not having that dummy. So before we get to Xander not believing Buffy, um, if, if you don't notice yet, um, no matter how inconsequential Cordelia's moments are, I will likely bring them all up. Uh, but this is this is good right like uh cordelia is losing it she's like i i'm not sure i can go in this part of the talent show because my the mood won't be right for my song and uh xander has tipped giles off to the fact that if he just mentions her hair she'll go away and it works it works she gets very very concerned about her what what about my hair and then she just like flees off stage and then like the look of like surprise and then ultimate delight on giles's like another round of subtle great face acting from anthony stewart head Mm -hmm. um also i just want to say this scene opens with the magician practicing and like i'll tell you what I don't I I don't agree with his methods or what he's all about, but he does kind of make me want to go buy a cape. Oh boy. I haven't had a cape in so many years. When did you have a cape? Like when I was in elementary school. Oh, okay. You know, like <laughs> Halloween cape, magic cape. And what would you do with your cape? Executioner cape. Oh my. That was my last cape, I think, which Wait. was 6th grade. I'm sorry. Let's just let's just all take a moment here. You had many capes. Yeah. The last of which was an executioner's cape. That's right. And what, I'm sorry, audience, if you all know this, but I, what is an executioner's cape? How is it differentiated from my cape? It's just like the cape that I had for my executioner costume 
at the oh boy yeah what why for halloween nope okay that's what yeah it didn't look like halloween so every year um (laughs) i was in this like one class uh in elementary school where like um every year the sixth graders who were in that class got to pick an event and they like kind of put together a whole event for like the rest of the school Mm -hmm. and i was like my i had been like going to medieval times a bunch and like reading a lot of like Forgotten Realms novels and, you know, just being very enthusiastic about fantasy and Renaissance fairs in general. Yes, yes, of course. So I was like, what if the theme was Renaissance fair? Mm. So my teacher was like, yes, let's do that. Uh Uh-huh. Thinking like, you know, standard costumes for a Renaissance fair. Right. Well... I mean, it was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. They had, like, guys from medieval times come in and, like, do, like, a fight demonstration. Wow. And they were, like, everybody was, like, talking and, like, goofy, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever people think. Like, you know, Shakespeare English, which yeah. I, I don't think really was particularly uh, – correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Shakespeare English was, like, really the a actual, way anybody right, actually right, talked. Right, 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 But, like, yeah. everybody's kind of talking like that and, like, everybody's in costume and there were, like, you know, games and it was a whole thing. And also, in sync with that – um, the other thing, the other event that spawned off of this Renaissance Fair was that we did a Renaissance Fair re rehash of the Wizard of Oz called the Lizard of Oz, which referred Stop to a dragon. It. Who was this teacher? I, her name was Susan Painter. She Susan was so Painter. awesome. Yeah, she was amazing. She made me think I could do anything. I mean, you. She made you think that because you literally did. You were like, I want this, and she was like, Cool. And then you were like, Let's do that. Like that's amazing. <laughs> Well, I don't think the musical was my idea. I was just like, Renaissance Fair. I love Renaissance Fairs. I hope that so, it was Susan Painter's idea to call it the Lizard of Oz. I believe that is accurate. Um, so, right. So I was in the I was the equivalent of a scarecrow. Uh-huh. I was a jester. Okay. Uh, oh, is that when you learned how to juggle? Yes, that is when wow, I learned how to juggle. The story is full of Jenny trivia. And then for the actual Renaissance Fair, which was like a separate day, I dressed up as an executioner because I was a weird kid. Yeah. And my, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say my mom made a lot of costumes when we were kids. Right. So I'm going to guess that she sewed the cape. Wow. Well, you know you what? Didn't know any you still of that have about that, me. Mom. So maybe you can ask her if she'll make you an adult cape. Oh, my God. She did just send Christmas us an email is coming. asking what we wanted for Christmas. I'm going to tell her I want a cape. A cape. Mom, I would like, yes, your 34 year old daughter <laughs> is ready for I'll be 35 by then. You'll ready be th- for another cape. Ready for an adult cape. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Wow. Okay, that was a real tangent. Oh, that was important. That is what podcasts are for. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's all right. Xander doesn't take Buffy seriously. Um, you know, they think it's a cat. They think there's mm-hmm. there's bigger fish to fry. We go to class. Oh, my God. Why is this kid allowed? In what universe is this kid allowed to have his ventriloquist dummy Just out sitting at his desk? Also, this is not the first time something has done a 180 degree head spin mm. to look at Buffy while nobody else knows what's going on. I'll, I'll answer this trivia. Who was the first? Oh, what is the praying mantis? Yeah. yeah. Natalie uh, French. What is her name? Natalie? Yes. Natalie French. Um, yeah, and this is something that I have to say. We we read this little factoid um, on the internet, um, but I'm I'm excited about it mostly because Jenny made a huge deal in episode three, which about the troll pen that that Buffy was <laughs> using, um, or that Buffy was like you know whatever carrying around, and uh, we see the troll pen again. <gasps> I mean, we didn't. We didn't see it either time, looking for it or not looking for it. But if you if you go back to the scene where they first enter the history classroom, they pan across the classroom and Willow is there. And Willow is writing with the troll pen. Second spotting of the troll pen. <sighs> yeah. Let's keep an eye out. I like we watched pen. it the second time and didn't see it. And I was like, I'm going to find it. And I went back and like frame by frame was like, oh, my God, <laughs> searching for I just wanted to see. I just wanted to know. Um <laughs> I love there's so this is super creepy, right? The dummy turns around, looks at Buffy. It, it is really, I mean, low ratings are not for this episode. The creep factor for the dummy is pretty high. Um, but then Cordelia has this moment that I just treasure, where she's like, it's just her and Buffy in the back of the classroom. <laughs> she says like, oh, looks like the dummy is taking a liking to you. Guess you can go on tour with the freak show or like whatever. Some like typical Cordelia like dig. And she is so satisfied with herself. <laughs> there's nobody looking. They're, like it's not even, you know, usually when you see this setup, there's like other other people around and she's like, let's check out what I did. I, I bullied. <laughs> she's by herself. Nobody has seen her. And she smiles to herself. And tosses her hair. Tosses her hair. She is like, nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it, Cordy. You really got her good. Oh my god, it's really, really good. Um, uh, and then, and then we go. Uh, Xander has this dummy. So Xander steals the dummy out of the teacher's cabinet once the, the dummy gets taken away uh-huh, from uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, whatever. Why can't I remember his name? Morgan. Morgan. I know Morgan. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, the dummy gets taken away from Morgan. Xander takes it. They have it in the library. Xander does just. His dummy voice is very upsetting. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's bummer. Really a bummer. I just, I'm well. I'm skipping ahead. I I like a lot of things, but I love the moment when the dummy disappears. Oh my god, it's so good. Like Xander, when Xander sees it, Xander's so like, I've got this dummy thing <laughs> on, on lock, and then he puts the dummy in the chair, and the two, you know, Giles and Willow go upstairs to read the books, and he turns around, the dummy is gone, and he like leaps onto the table. Yes, he like screams, and in one swoop, like I think jumps onto his chair, and that's hysterical. Yeah, and like so, like you know, that's like a real react. I thought, uh-huh, uh-huh. way to go, Xander. Totally, and then. And then when Giles and Willow find out that the dummy is gone, because it's like, I feel like the direction here was like, okay, act like a rat just got yes. out, right? Because they're all just like, what can I stand on? Like, Yes. <laughs> it's, it's so really, good. It tickled me. It really tickled me. And there's that amazing music cue, too. Oh, what was the music cue? Sid disappears, and there's like a cello, some kind oh, of yeah. a string that's like, bomp. <laughs> <laughs> Also, before the dummy disappears, it's yeah. important to notice that when Willow and Giles are discussing where they're headed in the library, Willow says she's once again banished to the demon section of the card catalog, and Giles says he's going to poke about in or- organ harvesting. Organ harvesting. What? This library. Section of the library. What are the calls in the Dewey Decimal System? <laughs> where can I locate demons and organ harvesting because yeah. I'd like to do some reading. I think you have to go to the Sunnydale Library I guess so. is the thing, right? Maybe. Uh, Take so me there. Then like a lot of stuff happens, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Buffy goes to the auditorium to look for Morgan. Right, She's more... walking around backstage and there is a 3D demon bust portrait thing that's like, oh. it looks like, it looks like as though it it were like a painting that was a window into another dimension and the demon is sticking its head 
through the window mm-hmm. that she walks past and it's like what in the fuck high school has that you know, backstage jenny you keep asking these questions how do they have the books why do they have the paintings and i think you're forgetting where we are that's really that's it i mean we're on the hell now Okay, I'll stop asking. No, I'm, no, I, I'm, I, I reserve I the right to be incredulous. No, I, I love it. You call it out as many times as you need <sighs> to. <laughs> but right, she's looking for Malcolm, Morgan, whatever. Snyder shows up very well lit. Right, right. We get first, first good Snyder lighting uh, here. Implies that she isn't safe walking around by herself. Oh, and she is great. very incensed. Yes, I can take care of myself. Buffy says, "How dare you!" squashing the patriarchy. (laughs) Ah, the patriarchy! (laughs) Under her slayer heel. Under her (laughs) fashionable boot heel. (laughs) Uh, Uh. Then Snyder goes away, and turns out Morgan is dead, and then, oh no, here comes a chandelier! See, now here's... I'm glad you walked us to this moment, because that... How heavy could that chandelier be? Doesn't she have slayers? I guess she doesn't have a lot of leverage because she's Once she's under it, I'm there with her, right? Once she's under it, I'm believing, okay, that maybe it's hard to leverage the strength to get the chandelier off of her. But don't slayer abilities perhaps imply slayer reflexes? They do. She's had... And that's... I mean, she's a little off kilter in this episode. Like, she really is. She's very Thrown by the dummy. Well, because she's afraid, you know? And it's like, just like any person or slayer... If you're working from a place of fear, you are not working at your 100% capacity. Totally. So I can justify this with that. But I, you know, this, there's like a commercial. I call them commercial breaks because they're where commercials went. But um, we see the chandelier fall. We cut to commercial. And when we come back, I was like ready for her to be like twirling the chandelier on her pinky finger, you know, like, <laughs> or whatever. Like, I definitely did not. I was shocked when I saw her pinned underneath it. Right. I was like, Buffy. Get your get it together, girl. We're you're supposed to be reflexes like a cat. I wonder. A random sidebar question yeah. that you just made me think of. I wonder if, for people who are watching on Hulu, mm. if the ad breaks are where the ad breaks are. Exactly. I wonder if they're breaking it up the same way. Well, let because us know. I feel like there are a lot of ad breaks on Hulu. Yeah. Let us. I mean, you know, let us know, humans. Yeah. Do the commercials go where the commercials ought to go? Some for some reason, I feel like no. For some yeah, reason, I, I feel like that would be, be way too awesome if they really got that to right. work properly. <laughs> but yeah, she's pinned. She's pinned under this chandelier. Is she still? Is this all one day? Is she still in the leopard dress with the jacket? Well, I don't know if it's the same. It's, it's not. This the same episode day. doesn't take place in one day because no. she sleeps. Right. Oh, right, right, right. So At least ne- once, okay, so maybe twice. It's impossible. The, there seems time seems to have no meaning in the realm of the talent show because they're just all always the, there. Right. Like, right. what are they doing? They're they're I they're guess, just like pace, Like they're all walking in different directions and like practicing, but all really close to each other. So it's like how effectively can you really rehearse yeah other people are rehearsing loudly near you a mystery that is not solved in this episode i'll tell you what (laughs) but yeah and then so sid okay sid thinks buffy is the demon right we go through this whole thing we learn this whole thing but when sid goes over to buffy and she's pinned under the chandelier and he goes after her head with a knife and she like tilts her head to the right by three millimeters to avoid the knife blow my thought was this dummy Killed six other demons. Like, his fighting style is pretty weak. He has no strength at all. He's just a little tiny sack of bones. So I'm just curious as to how he conquered the other six demons. Uh, Another six tales for another six episodes. I guess we'll have to find out. Do you know who I miss right now? Who's that? I miss Kate Leth. Oh, my God, me too. It's just like, you know, we've talked a little bit about short dresses. We've talked about leopard prints. Yeah, and, and I I think it's time. I think it's time, too. Kate, give us the Buffy fashion watch. Please. It's time for our friend Kate to give you the Buffy fashion update. Welcome back, everybody, to an episode where I finally get to talk about Cordelia in no less than three distinct outfits, although I am going to focus on two of them because they feature my favorite kind of fabric. Okay, listen, after everything that happened in the last week, like I did not think I'd end up researching the differences between velour and velvet, but here we are, right? Whatever gets you through the day. So velvet is shinier than velour, but it's woven, whereas velour is knit. This means that velvet doesn't stretch. So in the opening scene, Cordy's got that high-necked, silver, short-sleeved, 
incredible situation. But it's stretchy, which means that it's probably velour or more specifically crushed velour. Um, if velvet or velour are crushed, that means they've been processed. So the fibers, which are known as the nap, by the way, no big deal, they lay as asymmetrically rather than in the same direction. So instead of being smooth, they've got that mottled creased effect that was super popular in the 90s and in the 60s and 70s before that, since all fashion is cyclical. Um, in her later scene before the talent show, her dress has a more rigid construction. It's thicker, you know, and instead of being stretchy. So that leads me to believe it's crushed velvet. Either way, Cordelia has her bases covered and, as always, looks perfect. Um, the rest of the gang don't wear a lot this episode that stands out. Pretty standard looks. Everybody's kind of rocking what they've been rocking for the past couple episodes. But Buffy does have that micro mini leopard print dress that she wears with her leather jacket. And guess what boots? Just try. Just try and guess. Oh, yeah, it's the brown ones. Um, but I do want to point out Willow's daisy chain necklaces and her super basic earrings because... I mean, I'm sure it was an intentional stylistic choice that she always wears children's jewelry. I mean, almost everything that Willow wears is really basic, chunky beads or only one bead, where Buffy has a lot of silver, you know, things that are a little more dainty. Um, so it makes Willow look a little more childish, a little less grown up, and, and it works. But also, I mean, she deserves better. It's fine. Also, Giles's sweaters in this episode are like really good. <laughs> he's cute what can i say until next time i'll see you at the mall that was our friend kate she gave you the buffy fashion update thank you kate for that insightful look <laughs> inside the mind and closets of all those in sunnydale <laughs> yes thank you kate so more pitter-patter, more Ugh. horrible pitter-patter of those feet. The worst. Right. And then and then we find out all this backstory about the dummy. I think that this happens in this piece, right? We find out all the reasons that he thinks – he thought she was the dummy. Right, he was right, right, to right, kill right, her, right. but actually she's not the demon and right, right, right. turns out. And then, you know, uh, yes, Jenny, All of this eyes. information mm -hmm. is interrupted when Giles says, the show. The show must the sh go on. So for once – for once, Giles is in the position that Buffy is usually in, where he has to balance his school responsibilities yes. with his demon fighting responsibilities. Yes. How the tables have turned <laughs> and the chickens have come home to roost in a bed of your own making. <laughs> I really hoped you could keep going for a bit. I'm proud of you. That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we go we go to the theater, and the idea is we're going to figure out who the demon is by whoever the missing student is, right? That's going to be because they right, the, right. the brain has been harvested. Because, right, we forgot to talk about it because nobody cares that nobody Morgan cares. has been de-brained. By Morgan. By Morgan. Literally nobody cares. Like, we make it to the end of this episode. There's a talent show that, that is fully performed. Morgan was totally de-brained in the back of the theater, <laughs> not addressed at all. So whatever. Sorry, Morgan. Uh, Morgan's brain was not up to snuff is is what we find out because Buffy, unfortunately, I mean, Buffy really has a rough run. She's Ugh. got the dummy this episode. She's the brain she, goop. She accidentally grabs a full human brain in her hand. And like even slayers have their limits here. That's pretty nasty. And we learn that Morgan's brain is not viable. Right, right. Because cancer. RIP. <laughs> Sorry, Morgan. Oh, so yes, I wasn't laughing at Morgan's brain uh, cancer. <laughs> I was just laughing because I was already hearing Willow's disbelief oh my God. at being the smart like they so you know they're in the library like, oh we he the demons are gonna need somebody really smart and uh Xander and Buffy exchange a meaningful glance and then they both look at Willow and Willow's like what what yeah oh god Willow's so great in this episode yeah Willow is so, so many I, great moments she really does this this is one of the top ones though her disbelief she knows the square root of... 841. 841. Which is, of course, 29. Wow. Um, okay, I have a question. Yeah. I know that we give Sunnydale a lot of room for what they allow and their nonsense and they don't call the cops and they don't care about murder. Mm -hmm. But a guillotine? Like an actual blade that could sever? Uh, to be fair, you know who's in charge of the talent show? Giles. Giles. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> His mind is a little divided. But this is upsetting. No pun intended. But, oh, nice one. But this is upsetting to me, though. Like, not the... Uh, fine. Giles is in charge. It's Sunnydale. Maybe there's a... 
freaking guillotine in the talent show, like an actual guillotine. But Giles was how does he lay down on this table? That is, That's just uh, is, is he really the smartest person around? He is. If, he is smarter than this. This is. I'm. We have not really called anything out on like, hey, writers. Eh. But his British foppishness, like his his like sort of like bef- you know, just like oh, I couldn't possibly be rude. Mm. I you don't. Know, it's, uh, it, and I'm not buying it. I'm just saying like that's how they couched this. It seems that way. That seems how he's how he's playing it. Ugh. I love them running down the hallway. Yes, the, and Giles! there's like there's like there's like a janitor in the hallway yeah, that yeah. like sees them run out of the library and is just like crazy mm-hmm. kids. Yeah. <laughs> Always running around screaming about their librarians. Um, Here's an important question about like physics and stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how many how, a- how many axe chops does it take to cut through uh, a like a you know five eighths of an inch thick piece of rope? Well, I mean, I guess demons are good at what they're good at. You know, mm. this demon is good at certain things like harvesting, harvesting organs, organs, but not as good with an axe. Gotcha. Um, no Paul Bunyan. Yeah, you give him that knife back and he'll probably be right. really nailing it. But yeah, he, he struggles with the rope, thankfully. I was so excited about this teamwork in this scene. John- yeah. Giles is the only one I was disappointed in. because Ugh. How did you get us to this position in the first place, Giles? No, thank you. But like Buffy is like flies in. Knocks out the demon just before he hits the axe to the rope one more right, time, and right. Giles gets debrained. And yeah, yeah. then Xander grabs the rope as it's falling, grab, catches the blade in his hands, and then Willow grabs the axe over to the lock to get them to get yes. him out. Fantastic! They are getting it together. This team, they everybody's got their place. Yeah. Really yeah. nice, like a well-oiled machine. Like a well-oiled machine. Also, I love as Buffy is fighting the magician <laughs> yes. and kicks him into his his like presto changeo box. We've seen this kid doing all these magic tricks and none of them are working. The rabbit's not in the right. hat. He's telling Giles which card to pick. His assistant doesn't get out of the box when he spins it around. Right. He goes into the box and then he busts out of it, fully transformed into a demon. The first time one of his magic tricks has sort of worked <laughs> in a way. Yeah, yeah. So, such a nice moment. Yeah. Yeah, finally. Finally, he's a successful (laughs) magician and a fully formed demon. Uh, Buffy has a great moment, too, when he, like, he's starting to change before he goes into the box. She, like, kicks him or something, and his face is, like, part demon. (laughs) And she just has a really great ew that she's so, (laughs) and her ew actually gets her knocked on her ass because she says ew, and in the moment of her being, like, disgusting, he gets gets a punch in or something. He gets something in that knocks her to the... To the ground. Um, but yeah, and so they defeat they defeat the seventh, right? Because this is the seventh. Right, right, right. Um, the seventh and and Sid gets this really wonderful last moment where he's been waiting to die. We didn't talk about the moment where he's up in the rafters with Buffy. I mean, we kind of did because we talked about him objectifying everyone. But right, right, right. They have a heart-to-heart interlaced with some objectification. Yeah, but in this moment... Buffy, but for whatever reason, just looks right past the objectification and or looks at it endearingly. Um, and well, not totally endearingly. She is like, ew. Yeah, she's like, gross. gross. I think she's like, gross, but also this dude's been trapped in this dummy body for a while. Like, maybe now's not time for a, now's not the time for a lecture on uh, treating women properly. Right, right, right. <laughs> but um, but they have this really sweet moment. Where, you know, she knows, they they all know that, like, once this demon is defeated, he will be let free. Which which, means he'll be dead. Which means he'll be dead. But he, it's something that he wants and has sought after for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he, you know, stabs the demon in the heart uh, and then disappears, dies, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Buffy picks him up. Buffy picks him up. Like a little baby Jesus. And then up comes the curtain. Yes. Fully packed. (laughs) theater oh my god waiting anticipating the beginning moments of the talent show uh-huh, uh-huh. and the reveal is a beheaded demon <laughs> buffy holding uh you know ventriloquist dummy 
Giles putting his glasses on. Yes. That's it. That they understand that. Yes. They've seen that They've enough seen that times. Um, but yeah, this is just a really, a really good moment. And Principal Snyder is sitting in the, you know, this is, I think when you're watching this for the first time, this is like, oh, Principal Snyder didn't have anything to do with it. Right, right, right. He's sitting in the audience and he's like, oh, what is this? Av- avant-garde? <laughs> so um, yeah. So. And somehow then they just transition from that scene into the talent show, right? Like there's no... Well, it just goes to the credits. Well, right. But I mean like in Sunnydale time. Oh, right, right, like, right. Who they're, knows? They're like, ah, stage clearing. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mind this. And they drag the demon's body off stage. Yeah. You know what I was reading? I think this is a very commonly known fact, but the, um, the decision to make the vampires, when they're killed, turn to dust was a very practical decision. Right. Because otherwise there'd be like all these dead bodies on screen and and Buffy would be tasked with like clearing the dead bodies and things. So them turning to dust was was very practical for that. But I thought of it here because there's this like demon body that's just kind of laying there. Yeah, so I don't know what they do with that. They should they should have a series called like after the show. Oh my god. What happens? What do they do with that demon's body? Um but yeah, we go uh, before we talk about the split screen. I just want to um, make sure we don't forget our sexual tension award. Oh, great! I, I know. I, let's I, leave the dummy out of it. Yeah, that's the thing. I had a tough maybe Morgan in the dummy. Morgan in the t- I know, but oh yeah, no, it's. I had a tough time with this one. Uh, sexual tension. It Is was there just no sexual. Tension it was. It was in this kind episode? of like sexual tensionless. Um, for the most part, right? I mean, it was just like, like who? I don't know. R.I.P. Sexual tension. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe we we give it to you. Who do you think had the most sexual tension? Do you think there was sexual tension in this one? I normally I'd just throw it to Cordelia and Buffy for fun, but I they weren't even. Yeah, they didn't really have a good thing. Yeah. So I guess like if if we had to give it to anyone, it would. It would have to be Morgan and let's the just dummy. Not, but let's throw it in the garbage yeah, before yeah. we give it to them. Yeah, history history is happening here, folks. Season one, yeah. episode nine. No sexual no tension sexual award. tension award. Um, but then then um, the something really uh, unique happens with the credits. Yes, the one and only time in the whole series. Yeah, that we have a split screen between the credits and a little extra footage at the end. Right, and um, and they also they don't use the font in the cre- oh, probably yeah, they don't for, use the Slayer font. They don't use the Slayer font probably because they you know wanted to fit it in the half screen. Right, right, right. The thing that's interesting about why, and I don't know if this was the reason why they decided to put it with the split screen, but this scene of them Buffy Willow and Xander doing this this clip or this bit of um, Oedipus. Wait, yeah, it's of Oedipus, right? I look to you, theater yeah, major. Yeah, it's, Oedip- it's Oedipus Rex, um, and and it was it's only it was only split screened in the initial airing of this episode. All all future airings um, up until the the most modern time, like now on Netflix and Hulu, didn't have this um, split screen, uh, and then the DVDs did have it. Right, and also when it was when it w- went into syndication on other networks besides the WB. Ah, uh, it was just the, right because the WB the and WB didn't want it. One of the one of the little trivia points that I think explains why this is the case says um that during during a panel discussion that was a dvd extra on the season seven dvds joss whedon said that after they shot this episode they got a note from the network asking for the talent show scene from oedipus to be removed the note said quote we realize that it's shakespeare but does he have to talk about sleeping with his mother end quote the ancient Greek play Oedipus Rex was actually written by the Athenian playwright Sophocles about 2,000 years before Shakespeare was born. So WB didn't want this clip in, but it, but it somehow was in the initial airing. Yeah. Uh, so it slid right by them. Yeah. And then they took it out. But I thought that was kind of fun. And also, yeah. you guys. Pretty hilarious. Shakespeare, Sophocles, <laughs> potato, potato. Yeah. Um, right. So, Wow. Here we are. Yeah, I think we've done it. We've done it. We've done most of it. <laughs> I think we did a lot of it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening this week. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not watching Buffy, I am usually writing songs and recording them. You can learn more about me at JennyOwenYoungs.com buffering, and you can give me a shout on Twitter at JennyOwenYoungs. Also, for the month of November, I'll be working to raise funds for four important organizations, the ACLU, Planned Parenthood, Everyone is Gay, and Every Town for Gun Safety. These are four organizations that do great work all day, every day of every year. 
but now they're more important than ever. The way that I'm working to raise funds is that I'm creating custom handwritten lyric sheets, and you can order them at squareup.com store slash Jenny Owen Youngs, or if that URL is too long, you can just go to my Twitter page, at Jenny Owen Youngs, and click on the link in my top pinned tweet. I'll be making these through the end of the month. They're $100 a pop. You pick the song, and you pick the organization where the funds go. Super awesome. Hey, thanks. Hey, thank you. I'm Kristen Russo, and you can find me over at Twitter at Kristen Nolene. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. And when I'm not here talking about Buffy, I am working to bring advice and laughter and resources to LGBTQ youth and their families. And I will tell you what, I have breezed right through that description of my work for the past eight episodes of Buffering. And in this past week, I have realized, not that I didn't know how important the work was before, but I have realized how important it is right now. So I just want to encourage all of you to visit everyoneisgay.com or mykidisgay.com or to share that, uh, share those URLs, share those accounts um, using your social media or using your mouth. I don't know how you share things, but right now young people especially and their families really need to know that there is support out here for them, that there are people that have their backs, and I am one of those people. So um, yeah, I'm really thankful to be doing the work. Thank you for doing the work. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter at BufferingCast and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BufferingCast. You can email us at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. We also just want to remind you that this is a very special week here at Buffering the Vampire Slayer because on Saturday we are going to have a bonus episode, a very special episode, where Jenny and I were able to have a chat with Armin Shimmerman, who plays Principal Snyder. We have some wonderful stories to share from Armin. Um, We're really excited to bring you that extra episode, and that'll be up on Saturday. What a guy. What a guy. Oh, what a guy. Seriously. We're in love with him. For real. Then on December 18th, we'll be bringing our first ever live event to Union Hall in Brooklyn, New York. So if you are in town or in town adjacent, please consider joining us. You can get full details and tickets at unionhallny.com. And really, really fun thing, really fun thing. We have a shop, we have a store, we have a place where you can buy enamel pins and more. I just Shirts and pins, (laughs) shirts and pins that was on the fly everybody so just so you know <laughs> yes, in case you couldn't tell that wasn't this week's song <laughs> um we have a store if you go to bit.ly slash shop buffering um or go to our website and click on store you can find our enamel pins we have a slayer at pin and a cordette pin designed by kate leth designed by kate leth jenny couldn't contain herself she had to jump in and we have buffering uh the vampire slayer t-shirts with the logo designed by christine tuna um everything is really really looking fun in there so if you want to get your shop on you can do that at bit.ly slash shop buffering um, last but not least, I just want to give a special shout out to one of our listeners uh, named Andrea. I went out to uh, get a meal just a few days ago, and Andrea was um, one of the wait staff at the place that I ate. And not only did she come over and thank us for the work that we were doing with buffering, but then before I left, I got free ice cream for my work here at Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Jenny wasn't with me, but Jenny. Yeah, my biggest problem with this story, Andrea. (laughs) Well, I mean, ice cream's tough to travel. Otherwise, I'm sure she would have sent some home with me for you. I guess we'll just have to go back. We'll have to go back. But you're not allowed to eat the the free ice cream that I'm making up. Okay, I'll sit and watch you eat the free ice cream that for would, the second time. That but would satisfy really, me. really you. special. Andrea, thank you so much. I love – and we also – we just um, posted this on Twitter, but we got our very first fan mail. Um, oh, Christina man. made us two cordette uh, patches. They're so sick. They're so, Thanks, so Christina. wonderful. So, yes, thank you. Thank you for the free ice cream. Thank you for the adorable patches. And thank you all for being amazing. You are wonderful. And we are so excited to have um, this – to tie us all together in what are some difficult times. It's nice to have vampires and ventriloquist dummies to get us through. (laughs) It really takes the edge off. It really does. So with that, till next time. Ow!
This week is the talent show And if there's one thing that I know It's that I don't want to do it Somehow I got roped into it Everybody else is good at stuff Cordelia sings, at least sort of But my talent's best kept hidden Not like, for example, Morgan's ventriloquism Why did it have to be a live ventriloquist dummy? I wish that it was anything but that Cause me and dummies have an uncomfortable past And I don't need to bore ya with the details of my phobia I just wish that it was anything but that Somebody's been harvesting First a heart, then a brain Guess a demon needs some organs To keep living like a human Sid's not evil, so it seems But Principal Snyder might be Yeah, the jury's out on that one Anyway, Mark the Magician Went into his magic box And changed into a full-skinned demon And attacked us, but we beat him And then stabbed him in the heart why did it have to be a live ventriloquist dummy? I wish that it was anything but that. Cause me and dummies have an uncomfortable past. And I don't need to bore you with the details of my phobia. I just wish that it was anything but that. one of the hosts of Bitches on Comics, the most welcoming place for LGBTQ plus folks and women to chat comics, fiction, and pop culture. Bitches are both wanted and encouraged on our podcast. We speak with amazing guests about the media they've created, critiqued, and loved. And you don't have to just take our word for the great time we're having over here. We've been named a Best Comic Book Podcast by several publications, including Book Riot, The Mary Sue, and Comic Book Herald. So tune in and listen to us talk with your faves like Carmen Maria Machado, Amy Chu, Mari Naomi, Anthony Oliveira, and many, many others. Our whole goal is to include more folks in the comic book and pop culture world and to help new readers find comics and speculative books they'll love, with no shade for being new. You can find Bitches on Comics wherever you get your podcasts, and you can learn more at bitchesoncomics.com. <laughs>